listening to We're Talking Drums, creating conversations with the world's top drummers in the most extreme genres. This episode is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one choice for drumsticks. They provide the wood you need to make the beats you deserve. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Now with your host, Corey Hoffing. Hello and welcome to another episode of We're Talking Drums. I am your host, Corey Hoffing, and we are back in full swing. Now, before we get into this week's episode, I just want to say that this episode was recorded months and months ago before I left for my summer of touring. So I apologize it has taken so long to get this out, but I guarantee it is well worth the wait. I would like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. Absolutely phenomenal. Phil and everybody at Los Cabos has been super supportive of the podcast, and we thank you very much for that. Besides all of that, if you would like to help the podcast grow, please don't hesitate to share this podcast with your friends and family on all the social medias. You know, you can reach us at at We're Talking Drums on Instagram. And we also have a Facebook community page as well that you can find all the links to all of these and more will be in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. Now, furthermore, we also have a Patreon page. So if you would like to get these podcasts early along with special merch drops that are coming this fall and well into the winter, then please sign up for our Patreon. It is only $2 a month. That is all. And it greatly helps the podcast do amazing things and get the greatest drummers of all time on this podcast. So thank you very much in advance from myself and everybody here at We're Talking Drums. Now, this week, I have on a very, very special guest. Like I said, this was recorded before I left for Europe. uh, And this was before me and him met up in Toronto. So I actually got to sit down and spend the day, have dinner, and all of that while he was in Toronto last week. And it was absolutely phenomenal. I would have loved to do another podcast with him then. And I'm sure we will do another one in the future. This week's guest is none other than Hossein Orta from Fit for an Autopsy. Now, me and Hossein go way back. We've known each other for basically a decade and we go through all of the beginnings and kind of how he he came to America and to start his drumming career and and everything like that and a lot to do with overall being a touring drummer there's lots in this podcast and it is a long one so strap in get ready here is my conversation with Hossein Orta Hossein Orta welcome to the We're Talking Drums podcast how are you doing today buddy I'm great, man. How are you? It's been a while since yeah. I've seen you or talked to you. <laughs> it has, man. It has. Oh, that that night uh, was it was quite the night last time I saw you, man. That was that was a couple years ago, but yep. 
Yeah. Oh wow. That was uh, that was something. Great show though. Great show. Hard luck. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah, I barely do. <laughs> you, you, you were wild. Yeah. yeah, I was. Yeah, back in my heyday, go, going crazy, and now I just uh, sit at home and drink coffee and edit drums and Pro Tools all night. That's that's my life now. So yeah, yeah, I've, I've slowed down a lot too. I I still have my beers once in a while, but like not how I used to, man. Like just. I choose my days for it, like one or two, but I mellow down a lot just because, mainly because I can't take it anymore. You know, like it's just uh, being on the road is easy to get into the habits. You know, uh, and after a few years, it catches up to you. Talking mainly about the body, you know, because we play drums and it it catches up. You know? Oh yeah, big time, man! And I know that there was some. Um performances that i did not play my best because i was uh i had too much to drink either the night before or the day of and uh yeah but the the older you get the more it hits you man where it's just like man you can't function like i i can't i can't do fuck all the next day now it's it's tougher for sure like it it takes me longer to recover you know um so that's why mainly on the road, I just almost don't do it. If I'm headlining, barely anything. Maybe one, if I feel like I play good enough after the set, while I'm breaking down my shit, I can have a beer, you know. I'm like, yeah, cool. Maybe another one to go into the bus or the van or whatever the transportation is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then just peace out. I cannot do the party thing anymore. I just can't. Mainly thinking about... Oh, I just don't want to feel like shit tomorrow, you yeah. know. And because now thinking about it, I spent many days trying to recover from the night before, and then the show suffers always because you know the body can only do so much. Uh, maybe nothing that people will realize or notice, but I know that yeah. today I had less gas than yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so. If I'm headlining, nothing, man. I'm on a coffee and water diet. Uh, if I play all the notes in my feet, <laughs> then I will have one. You know? <laughs> yeah, celebratory beverage. You know, that's about it. It's funny because yeah. once you get to the headlining uh, spot, everybody thinks like, oh, well, you get the full rider and you get everything that you want and you get to party and all the groupies and this, that, but it's kind of the, op- well, like you do get the rider and, and all that stuff, but it's kind of like you, you kind of have to slow down. You have to be more cautious of how much you do party and what you do do yeah. because like you guys have to be up to do sound check. So you guys are like first ones that have to be up and function, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you're playing the latest. So yeah, I don't, and you know, I've I've had a the last few tours I've had help. I've had one of my brothers to help me with the drums that year, uh, but I've never had a drum tech drum drum tech that does everything for me or helps me. So I have to do everything by myself. So I have to wake up. And I'm a crazy person. I wake up early. I want to make sure everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. I want to be warmed up. I want to eat good so I can perform good. And if I'm playing that late, I need to save the energy the whole day. you know. And I cannot drink 
or party or eat shitty anymore. To be able to perform at the level I need to perform at 10 p.m. or 9.30 p.m. or in some cases a little later, mm. and then it's an hour plus set. Very explosive, following the clicks. It's like scary shit, you know? So, and I respect the, 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 the responsibility that comes with it, you know? So yeah. it has taken my whole life to be on that riser. Okay, let me get my shit together. Uh, so I've had to cut the drinking for sure. That's the first thing. And then on the road, when possible, trying to learn how to eat better. You know, if 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 I get a, a, a five dollars more now for a buyout, then that's it because I can get the salad with the beverage. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's, it's little things like that. But I've definitely had to slow down because the, I was wild for a while. Oh, I was yeah. enjoying. I was enjoying the all the information that was heading that was headed my way, you know, and the freedom and the experiences. And I, but it's also I found myself trying to auto destruct myself with the drinking and not think. And 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 it's cool for a few days, but once you see the habit after a few tours, a few years, it was like, nope scary man you know very scary yeah it's a, um, it's very easy to fall into uh that yeah. habit and then bring that home with you as well oh, right? oh yeah i will i will i will bring it home and be at home like i'm on tour same routine same time and it obviously doesn't work you know no. it's obvious uh so i've had to now i have my days at home where i go with my friends and i know that Friday night, everyone's gonna drink. I'll drink Friday night. Uh, but when I'm starting to get ready for tours, I have a few weeks very clean, just to do exercises and try to clean my brain and live with a fresh head, you know. And because uh, it, it gets tougher with the years, for sure. For example, what you were saying about the writer, I just did Europe. If you've been in Europe before, you know they have the sickest beer in the world. In Germany specifically, oh, yeah. I had a full fridge every day full of beer for myself because no one else in my band really drinks. Joe, our singer, once in a while, but no one else other than me. And I had to just look at them the whole day. They were getting fucking cold and perfect. And I would be like, <laughs> I can't have them. So I will either share it with the rest of the package or just sometimes leave them there because they have their own stuff that they have to finish. And, you know, it's it, it comes with the job. You know, I want to be able to perform good every day. So I had to cut down on that. Maybe from that full fridge, I'll have two or three at the most mm -hmm. at the end of the night. But if I play like shit, I don't even touch it because yeah. then I get sad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, it's a depressant. So you're just gonna sit there and drink and be sad, and then you'll play like shit the next day, and then it's just yeah, a process, man. right? Uh, I used I used to get super sad back in the day, like for sure. Oh, yeah. Now I'm better, you know. Yeah, man, and yeah, dude, I I know how Europe is like that, and uh, yeah, the whole tour package probably has a full fridge of beer. I know yeah, when yeah. when we were in Europe, we were second at a four. 
and every every day we had a full like case of beer, a bottle of vodka, like bottle of whiskey, ever, anything we really needed. I love I love Europe. It's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah, man. My first experience to Europe touring in that level was well, I did Europe. My f- the first time I did Europe was with my own punk band from here from Puerto Rico, very long time ago, and it was very underground and DIY. So I didn't I didn't get to see that part. Mm-hmm. But when I went with Fit the first time, we went in a we were in a good package. We were the openers, but it would it was a very good package at the time, and I got to see all that shit and experience all the catering and and the the beers and the. Never in my life. It's, and I got into the habits very quickly, you know, like uh, knowing that tomorrow I have another full fridge of beer. You don't have to even spend your own money on it. Like, that's a dark fucking thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, even with us, we had cases of yeah. whiskey and vodka in the storage compartment of our bus yeah. because yeah. of like unopened bottles because we couldn't drink the booze fast enough like it was it was insane how much is just given to you and it's it's super dangerous and like um it is it is because you get so much (laughs) yeah like so much of it all the time right all right so yeah let's uh let's talk about fit for an autopsy for a second uh because uh back actually let's go back even further than that when we originally met um you wow were that that was a while ago, right? That, I I looked it up too, and that was a decade ago. That was yes. 2012. Uh, yeah, you were filling in for uh, Battlecross. For That's right. was it just the Canadian shows that you did with? Them? Yeah, I believe. I think so. Yeah, because uh, I think their drummer couldn't go to Canada or something. Yeah, he had uh, their original drummer had a bunch of DUIs and stuff, so he couldn't cross the border at that time so mm-hmm. yeah man um and like i was i didn't really know the band that well at the time um, me either <laughs> <laughs> i just showed up you know? i got a recommendation from my good old friend and showed up yeah was that a good old friend uh mr shannon lucas yeah yeah he, when i when I moved to the U.S., he was trying to get me gigs, you know, here and there, and uh, that was the one that he got me very quickly. Like I, mm-hmm. I wasn't even ready for it. I wasn't at that level. I just faked it, but <laughs> he was trying to get me gigs, man, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, you killed it. You you did a great job. Thank you. Yeah. I had no time to learn it or anything. I was just. trying to play the parts, how they needed it. And uh, that was my first time using triggers live. Oh, yeah. And really? uh, yeah, I swear. So I, but it was very good because that stress gets you, you know, uh, you, you, you have to get good. You have to get ready. Yeah. You have to bring something. They need something. So that's something that I st- was able to get, showed me how to, get ready for 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 you know feeling situations or or how to learn stuff quicker or which things does the band really needs to make the show uh because you know 
as guitar players, they maybe not don't need all the drum parts that are super detailed or tiny. Maybe they just need the main structure because the most important thing is playing the gig and the show needs to happen. So, and it, and I only had like no more than three or four days to learn it. So I was like, oh, there's no way I can learn all the splash hits and all the right symbols and all, but I can learn the double kicks. I can learn the main fills. I can learn the beats where this layer is and take it from there because the show is tomorrow, man. Like, <laughs> this is all I can get, you know? So I didn't know those things until th that time, you know? Because mm -hmm. uh, I felt at the time those were the most professional shows I would, I had done in, in playing heavy-ass metal. So I was like, fuck, here I am in Canada, first time ever, playing good gigs, you know, good shows with good bands. <sighs> I need to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it was good for the for the spark because mm -hmm. it teach me how to get ready. And then I obviously started meeting people like you and other people. And, and those guys were great to me. And we're still friends. You know, once in a while, I see their singer, Kyle, uh, Kyle, no? Um, yeah, Kyle, yeah, Gumby. Yeah, 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 Gumby. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, why. Yeah. I thought it was just Kyle Gumby. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. He goes to, uh, last. I think last time I saw him was in Detroit, mm. uh, Machine Shop. He came with their bass player, Don. Oh, yeah. And once in a while, I talked to Iran and, and Tony from uh, online, you know. They're yeah. cool, man. They're cool. And at the time, they were... I thought they were ripping. Yeah. They well, were a good band. That was like the one of the first tours they ever did. It was their first time in Canada. Um, but uh, I, like from that point, they just like only kept growing from there, mm -hmm. from that tour on. It was just like they, they got huge so quickly. Um, yeah. And like I saw it from the start, like as soon as their album came out, I was like, these guys got something. And I saw they're coming to Toronto, and that's why I was like, I have to make it to this show, and I have to make friends with these guys. Like that was my my goal. I was like, their music is fucking sick. I love what they're doing, and they seem like like super cool guys. I want to be friends with these guys. And to be honest, man, that. Going to that show, meeting you there, and us becoming friends, and then becoming friends with all the guys in um, in Battlecross literally changed my life. Because from that point, I got to know their manager, Velda, and she started managing my band, Crimson Shadows. And that's how we kind of got our recognition, how we got a lot of our first tours, how we really got signed to Napalm Records is kind of all because of her. So it was all because of that one show. And it goes to show just like going to a show uh, for like a, a newer band or something like that. You never know by meeting bands and just being uh, a great people uh, what that can do for you. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. But to touch, touch on what you were uh, saying about uh, learning the songs quickly and stuff like that first record had so much bell work and little splashes and bullshit. It would 
honestly get confusing because at first you're like, oh, fuck, as a drummer, I want to nail all those parts. Because if, yeah, if there's any drummers in the crowd, like, I I got to fucking step it up. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I got to show them that I know what's up. Um, mm-hmm. But then you start to realize, like, no, making sure my snare hits are, are on the proper beats and you have the feel of the song and the part, mm-hmm. that's, that's what's important, you know? At least with the amount of time that I have, that's all I could have yeah. ready. Yeah. And I'm also not the most technical to, when it comes to my style, like how, in essence, how I play. I never think about that many f- splash hits or cymbal work. That's that's the next. That's the last part I think about when I'm playing or or writing music. And most of the time, it's a suggestion that a guitar player will have, or if they program the drums, they will program it. But I almost never think about it. So it's not my forte. It's not like what I'm considered good at myself. And so it was challenging, scary. I learned a few in the most, in the what I thought were the main parts that needed to happen. But I had no time to get it ready. So I focus on what I said, like the backbeats, the, the double kicks that were synced with guitar riffs. The patterns that if if those patterns were specific or could change a little bit, like that's what I focus more on, uh, and it worked out, you know, because the shows happened and they were happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't know it; uh, it was just an experiment for me. I was like, "Whoa, yeah. I don't know anything." But if I show up to the audition and they hear all the parts. I think I think they will let pass a few simple hits, you know. Uh, yeah. And that's exactly how it went. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't know. I was like, I'm gonna blow it, this is gonna suck. <laughs> well, dude, in these situations where you're learning stuff so quickly and like you just you say yes to the gig because like you didn't have any other gigs, you know, Shannon was like trying to hook you up with stuff mm-hmm. and you're like, yes. You know, when you're in these situations, yeah, yeah. you moved you moved here from from Puerto Rico to play drums and everything. So you yeah. say yes, and then you learn really quick, and you learned a lot yeah. in a very short amount of time by saying yes to these opportunities, right? So that's correct. Yeah, that's that's how I've learned the most, at least in my touring experience with Fit, bro. Like the times where I've said the times. That I said yes, thinking no, yeah, have been the times that have teached me the most in every aspect. Many, many times I've said yes and I agreed to the project because I'm committed 100%, and I end up doing it. But in my head, I'm like, I cannot do this. I shouldn't go. This is gonna happen if I leave. This is gonna my my, my lady is gonna be mad or or my. I'm going to lose the apartment or I'm too broke to do it or yeah. whatever the reason is for the person. All those times I've ended up learning a lot or doing the sickest shows ever or something, something incredible. Uh, it doesn't mean that has been the best times, but I've realized many times where, man, I'm glad I came because I'm doing this. I need to figure out how to fix that thing at home when I get back. Yeah. But I'm glad I'm here because I learned this or we did this or 
I met this important person that got me symbols or whatever the reason is. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's for me. It's always been like that. The times I've said yes, thinking about no, have been <laughs> mind blown. Yeah, I swear. That's always the case, man. Like it's it's not easy to just leave everything and go on tour, especially. Uh, I assume like in the earlier days when you first joined Fit, you know, you, you're not making a whole lot of money if you are making anything, you know, uh, no. and you have to leave every everything you have behind and like hope that you have somewhere to live when you get back, <laughs> essentially, right? Yeah, I yeah. For me, I just had incredible people behind me uh, that took care of me on those very hard times mm-hmm. um, because it was no money for a while at least no money for for me in the pocket to have a life a decent life it was getting by getting by getting by getting yeah. by and it's tough it's tough uh, and doing many tours where you know you're not gonna make money but you want to be there yeah, I'll do it for free or whatever it is, exposure, or whatever. My whole life, you know, uh, and it's now it's getting better, but still, like any job, you know, if you don't put in the hours, <laughs> there's no money back, and uh, it's the industry is never the same either. So it's it's something that I'm learning about now, you know. Mm-hmm. But but it took it has taken at least. For me, 10 years hard touring in the same band, nonstop, to be able to do the things that we've been doing lately. Yeah. Um, which has that's with, which has been amazing, man. Uh, seeing all the recent tours that you're doing, uh, supporting the new record. Uh, it's called Oh What the Future Holds. Yeah. Came out January 14th on Nuclear Blast. A little bit of promo in there. For the new yeah, record. you know that bef- you know that better than me, man. I don't even uh, know. I, I I have notes. All right, I uh, I try to be prepared <laughs> for these. I do my best, anyways. Um, but yeah, new record, man. How how has the response been on the road? Because from what I have been seeing, I know social media kind of can kind of be decisive, like you know, mm-hmm. uh, de- deceive, deceiving. Yeah. Um. So, like, how has it been uh, playing these new songs live? Uh, like, is, is the crowd really digging it? Or are they like, just play the old shit? We don't want to hear the new stuff. <laughs> no. From my experience and my time in the band, the new stuff reaches a wider crowd. We always have the people that like the old shit, like, obviously, because it's aggressive and we were younger, so we were going for it. But from what I've seen lately after the pandemic and all that stuff, I've had we I've seen a, a more diverse crowd. Uh, we have I've seen a lot of females singing the songs in the front, getting beat up by every and getting smashed, but they're taking it like champs singing the lyrics. And that to me, it's very humbling and inspiring because in my head, it sounds like music for men 
and all that shit. And I like watching girls down there singing all the parts and screaming with Joe. It's like, hell yeah. I love that. Like, I love the diversity. And I love that they're willing to fucking get smashed by everyone just so they can scream their favorite words and all that shit. And I don't know if I've been paying attention or enough, but I've seen more of it lately. And I've been telling the guys, and I'm like, dude, the whole first row was full of girls screaming and fucking taking punches. and (laughs) Incredible. Like, this, you know, being part of a heavy scene, I'm more used to the fucking dudes in the front and all that shit. And that's cool, too. For me, everyone's welcome. But I think the new music reaches more people. Because uh, he has the heavy parts, he has the the melodic vocals, mm-hmm. and more people can relate to that. And you know, the band has been working on on, on that, uh, having more catchy parts like that for people to sing. Because we enjoy it. You know, we're a metal band, but we like sing-alongs because we come from the hardcore world yeah. and the punk <laughs> world. So we 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 try to mix it all. And I. From my opinion, a very specific crowd ask for the old shit, you know, like normal dudes like us that want the heaviest shit ever. Yeah. But most of the newer crowds, it's the newer stuff for sure. And mm. the response is being incredible, bro. Like none of us expected any of this. And after the pandemic, we no way, you know. And headlining after the pandemic is the scariest shit because we didn't know, we didn't know how the shows were gonna be. Like a lot of times, you know, pre-sales will be low, and we're like, "Fuck, man! Like it's gonna be awful. We're gonna, we're gonna look like shit. You know, we're not gonna yeah. make money." And then, you know, but it's the fact that people were scared of the shows getting canceled, so they were waiting until the last minute, and they will show up eventually, and we will be like, "Holy shit, it's full." And, you know, not necessarily to watch me because we had a good package. It's to watch those bands, the whole package. I don't know who they're here for, but they're here. And and all those bands were great and they had their crowds. Uh, But it was humbling, man. Like at the end of the night, seeing that many people and in a lot of places, that was the first concert they've been in two years or some shit. Uh, Some of their venues will tell us, like, you guys are the third concert we try since all this shit. Stuff like that. So we never knew. We, 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 we just took the risk because we, we, we're pirates. You know, we go for <laughs> it. And we, we, we really don't give a fuck. If, if, we, if the numbers are right and everything lines up, we'll be there and we'll play to anyone. Yeah. That's how the whole band is. Uh, but we were afraid of losing more money, you know, and, and and the time and the effort and, you know, the, the amount of time that that's, that's put out, you know, behind the scenes for, to make all this shit happen. It's, I don't even have to do that. You know, I just have to worry about the drums and show up. <laughs> uh, but for all that shit to be ready and set up and, and, and it's, that's a lot of time of a group of people doing all everything, man. You know, so oh yeah, uh, it's a scary thing. But everything went incredible, bro. Like yeah. I'm, 
I cannot describe it. Like I'm, at, at 37 years old, I'm playing the shows I saw in my head when I was uh, a little kid. Yeah, It took this long for me, but I've been on the riser many nights now. I've been like, this is exactly what I imagined. This is what I dreamed <laughs> about those nights where no one will believe me. Yeah, This is how it looked in my dreams at night. Exactly. Like, you know? uh, so I've been learning how to appreciate it more and not worry about the fuck-ups that much and mm-hmm. just enjoy, have fun. It's music. People should have fun playing music. You know, so I've been trying to reprogram my brain because I've been obsessed with trying to be clean and perfect every night. But then I will take all the other phone away, you know, so I've yeah. been trying to find that healthy balance. You know, I'm going to try to play good. It might, I might fuck up a filler too. And I might miss a few notes in my feet today because it stays, she's bouncing or whatever. That's yeah. going to happen. But, <laughs> That's not gonna ruin my show and my experience and my life. You know? So that's it. I've man. been trying. I've been trying to find that balance because mm-hmm. for years, man, I will fuck up one part and think that my life was ruined, yeah. and then not enjoy the part, the the, the, the show, the moment. And I'm playing in a random ass city, playing heavy music that I shouldn't be playing, and I'm not having fun. What the fuck's wrong with me? You know? Yeah. That- uh, uh, well, somebody um, told me a long time ago uh, that it was actually it was Dave McIntosh when he he was playing drums for Dragon Force, and I got talking to him and he was like, this, uh, "We opened up for Dragon Force back in like I think it was actually 2012," and um, he said to me. Like, listen, because I was complaining about uh, my set and everything. I was like, "Ah, I didn't play very well. He's like, listen, I've played three shows in my entire life that I said I couldn't have played that better. You know, like three Mm -hmm. shows that were quote unquote perfect to him. Anyways, Mm -hmm. out of the like thousands of shows at that point that he had played, he's like, so worry about the entire band coming coming across and playing well together not about the individual like tiny little flub that you made because guess what like two seconds later somebody else probably made a slight mistake as well and like nobody is noticing that the band the energy the feel and and everything to the crowd you know that's that's what matters so my my bass player uh, blue has helped me with that shit a lot because yeah. at the end of this night, I will go to him and be like, I don't know, man, this part, like, you know, the, I did this, it was left and right, but I missed one of the things or whatever it is. And then he will say something like, don't worry, sonically as a band, we're so full that it doesn't matter. And I'm like, that's true. I just don't hear what he hears. Right. All I hear is, all I hear is me. And I heard that mistake as the loudest fucking thing ever. Yeah. Uh, but then I go on YouTube and it goes by so quick. And I'm like, oh, that was, that's it. Okay. Yeah. No one noticed. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, with, with, with the feed, with the trigger, I'm very, it's tough because then I go on YouTube and hear a tiny little double triggering or something. And I'm like, oh, yeah. fuck. Like, uh. <laughs> 
but it's gonna happen, man. Like from being on the road, I've seen every type of not every type, but many different types of heavy drummers. Mm-hmm. Old school guys, more technical, more like me in the middle, blah blah blah. They all have the same issues with the triggers, with the gear, with the same thing. Because we talk about it every day. How was it for you today? Ah, double triggering, the stage was bouncing. Oh, yeah. How about the cold? Yeah, that too. Like, yeah. we deal with the same things, you know? So I've seen the, the best at it. Masters having those technical issues as well. Yeah. So I'm like, hmm, those things are going to happen. What I've been learning is how to recover, how to make it better, how to let, how to not let that affect the whole thing. Because a mistake was done, something happened, some double trigger bullshit happened. The song keeps going. There's more parts. There's more songs coming. Yeah. Forget about it. It's done. Keep going. Fix it. Don't let your brain get into that song. Because you know, there's nights where I feel good the first thirty seconds, and there's mistakes start to happen in the first song and then the second one and then the third one and I, I'm like already in that wrong mindset I'm like mm-hmm. oh this is how it's gonna be fuck this like no fuck it we need I have six more songs to fucking recover from that like <laughs> blah 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 and a lot of times it's nothing to be worried about yeah it's all in my head I hear it and I'm like ah fuck well, sometimes it's now, hard. Like, if you have a mistake or like a technical issue, like double triggering and something, where it's like, it's not your fault, but mm-hmm. you know, you, you maybe your sensitivity is it's your trigger's a little too sensitive, so your snare is setting it off, and it's like, oh, uh, it's frustrating. And when you have that at the top of a set, it kind it just puts you in that zone, and you can have like the worst show ever. Uh, yeah. just because of that, right? And maybe sonically you played fine and, and it sounds great out there, but mentally it just puts you in a really shitty place. Yeah. I um, see everyone around me jumping and having a great time and smashing everyone and sweating and I'm back there like, oh, this sucks. I, I, I want to have as much fun as them, but I am here listening to my kicks and I'm having this issue right now that I cannot fix because I'm playing. I cannot fucking go and fix it right now until the end of the song or maybe two songs from now because there's no breaks in between or whatever. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Those little things. But you learn how to deal with them eventually. You learn how to either fix it or let it go or work around it. Or, you know, if, if there's a part where I need to improvise a fill... Instead of the kicks I need to do because of, I will do that, you know, like whatever. I was having issues and I had to come up with something at the moment, at the spot. And the guys normally know, you know, normally I try to be very, now I'm taking a little bit more freedom when it comes to improvising certain things and having fun life. Mm -hmm. But they know I keep a very solid structure. So if they hear something very, very different, I might be having some issues or or shit like that. They already know because I try to give them a solid backbeat always, always. Like, yeah. And all, all the accents that I think they need, all the cues, all the, the the specific hits that they need on stage for the show to keep going, I try to give them those every night. But if, if I'm having issues, a few of those sound weak or not there or, or a, a count that it's always there is not there all of a sudden. 
they they notice that I'm having issues. Mm-hmm. Now, all I say, all I say to them is like, don't look back. Yeah, just don't, don't don't turn around. Don't look at me. Don't fucking do it. I hate that so much because I I have I, I fuck up all the time. I'm the worst yeah, for don't it. Don't look at me. I just uh, I more recently put up a video of me dropping both of my sticks at the same time. So I I went to do a stick trick and I failed. And then I went to like I don't know what I was thinking, but I went to move my left. Uh, my stick in my left hand to my right hand and then I was going to grab a stick over here and I just dropped that so I ended up I had no drumsticks in my hand and then I, I ended up recovering everything was fine we played the song right and then I was just smiling after that I was like fuck it what's the it happens it's, what are you supposed done, to yeah. do right but yeah that's where that's where you do the bass drum solo because <laughs> you have no hands so I just that's it keep the until I hear where to come in or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Just keep the kicks going. <laughs> Just don't fully yeah. stop. Just don't fully no. stop. No. Always bass drum something. solo. Yeah, yeah. Bass drum solo. <laughs> That's it, man. Uh, talking about gear and stuff like that, you play to a click track live. Uh, did I see recently that you're using in-ear monitors now? Yeah, we, you- started, we started using that not long ago. Well, you always had the like over the ear headphones. Yeah, because because I never had the being cheap my whole life. I was just getting by with big fucking uh, headphones from Guitar Center, uh, which I still love because they they isolate everything how I like it. I like everything on stage to be very quiet, so I can listen to what I need to listen. Mm-hmm. And it also filters the drums. It gets rid of all that extra noise, crap shit. So I hear everything very precisely. Uh, but now that the band, we 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 started using in ears as the whole band. You know, before mm-hmm. that it was only me. Now it's the whole band. In that sense, we bought better gear and started getting cool shit. And it's more comfortable though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it looks better. I don't look like I work in an airport anymore, but uh, <laughs> I don't really mind. Like, I have to do a job and I don't care how I look, really. I just need to get the job done. Yeah. Uh, but they're more comfortable. You know, you don't have such a big piece here and uh, falling down like this or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but there's, there's other variables that come with it, you know, because it's something inside your ear. If you sweat the way we sweat, man, like on stage, all that sweat gets in there and it's disgusting mm-hmm. and you can feel it and uh, it's, it's they start to fall a little bit. So you have to get them dry and put them back. It's different issues. Uh, but the quality of the sound is top shit. You know, it's... Oh, yeah. I've never, I've never heard myself this good in my life until these last two tours. Uh even the mix I'm getting in my ears so all the drums and everything is like, oh, wow, that's how I sound. So it, it helps me to not have to play as hard to because mm-hmm. I hear myself perfectly. Yeah. So I can play more precise and I can play better and I can save energy for the whole set because I'm not wasting it how I used to, just trying to overplay or play too hard to the point where it's not going to sound any louder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, 
It just means now, they can't push it through the PA as hard. Yeah. Because you're hitting so hard. It's just peaking yeah. everything. Yeah. No, so so I'm 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 just working myself for no reason. You know, they only need a certain volume. Yeah. Uh so that's stuff I've been learning now because I've been more exposed to that technology and more sound guys, man, engineers, people that know their shit that are younger than me that tell me, <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't use that symbol. Don't do this. Mm. Why are you hitting it like that? Try this different head. I pay attention to it because they know what I don't know. And I am not a techie guy. I don't know. Any of, I, I know how to smash the drums and play the parts. You tell me what you need from me. What do you need? Different head? Okay, let's see how we can find a happy medium. Because I need what I need, and I need to feel this and this. But I can compromise and try to figure out something new if it's going to sound everything better. Yeah. If everything's going to sound better, I mean. Uh, so those are things that I learn from engineers. I love sound guys and, and good engineers because... It's that's the weapon, right? Like if I'm performing on stage, I wanna, I wanna. It, it helps me with confidence and knowing that that guy is gonna make it sound incredible. So let me play good. Let me not worry. Just play good. He's got my back. Mm-hmm. And you learn a lot. I learn a lot. Instead of telling them how I want things, I give up. I'm like, okay, if it's something that I don't agree with, we'll figure it out. But Lately, I've been like, okay, what can I do to make it better? Like the sound guy we have right now, he suggested darker symbols. And I've used Brilliant my whole life. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to... I like Brilliant. I'm like, no, let me try the dark ones. I'm down to try. If, if I don't like it, we'll discuss it. We'll see how we can find something else. So I just ordered them. I hit up my guy at Siljin, Eric. I was like, hey, man, I'm... I want to try darker ones, blah, blah, blah. He suggested yeah. a few. I'm down for it. If 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 I totally hate it, I hate it. But uh, I've been very open to that because those are the guys that make our band sound great for the show. I'm on stage on the riser. I'm playing. It sounds like shit up there. <laughs> it's So I, people need to experience what they need to experience. And the, the engineer needs to figure out all that stuff. So if there's anything I can do to make it better for the sound, for the show, something as changing heads or symbols or whatever, let's, let's do that. You know, let's fucking get it done. Uh, and then we can hire another guy and the other guy will prefer the brilliant ones again. So we'll do that again. Like, whatever... <laughs> I, I don't yeah. I I need my drums a certain way and I am very strict about that part. But I'm very flexible in a lot of other things around it. Yeah. Very, very open. Yeah. Awesome. So uh let's talk about your drum setup because you you kinda have like more of a, a punk rock setup to to your drums where it's just one rack tom, one floor tom, uh single kick, like you don't see a lot of metal drummers playing such a kind of simplistic setup. Um, so yep. is that something that just kind of comes from your like punk and hardcore roots of like, that's what you, you grew up playing on. So you're used yeah. to it. Yeah. 
that is my comfort zone, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what I had when I was a kid. That's what I used. Uh, where I grew up, I was exposed to the worst fucking drum sets at shows that you can imagine. So that was just simple enough for me to configure uh, when doing fly and shit, when doing fill in, when, you know, it's just as, as basic as I can get. Uh, so I just kept that flow for years and years. Uh, also, two other things. A lot of my favorite drummers, that's all they have. And I feel like there's a whole universe that it's infinite in those two toms I use mm -hmm. that I just don't know about. So I just try to learn as much as I can about that. Like, uh, if I have only two crashes and a China, how much shit can I get from those? How many sounds can I get? How many dynamics can I get from just one ride or just one tom? Or... So that's something I always use as a challenge. It's like, okay, I can make all these sounds from just a rack tom, depending on how I tune it, how I play it, the dynamics. Uh, I've learned how to orchestrate behemoth songs into rack tom and floor tom and snare drum. You know, like yeah. I've learned how to mimic some things and fake it and all that shit. Mainly because I like the challenge of it and also growing up where I grew up, that's all I had, bro. Like I don't even have, never had money to get any decent gear or any of that shit. Uh, so I've just kept that flow to stay true to my fucking guts uh, up until now. Uh, but we order more gear. Uh, it's it's uh, I'm waiting on it. So we're gonna I'm gonna try the the double kicks and all that stuff for the first time. I'm gonna go for it. Uh, two reasons. Now that I have leg issues by by having the double kicks. Maybe I have more angles and more things to work around when it comes to the, how I sit and the comfort. Uh, with a double pedal, I have options, but it's you know, ends where it ends. You know, you can only stretch it so far, and that's 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 it. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna experiment with that because I'm getting older, and uh, it just looks cool on stage, bro. The guys are yeah. always getting sick guitars and sick amps, and I'm like with a tiny drum set. I'm like, I like it. That's all I need. I don't need more. But what if I put something there that looks fucking like a tank, you know? So I've been thinking more about that visual part of the show and what a person sees when they go and watch the concert, you know? Because mm -hmm. to me, it's impressive to watch a guy with two toms play six shit. To me. Yeah. But there's other people that they want to see the double kicks and all that stuff. They don't give a fuck. You know, they want to see a metal fucking drum set in there. So I want to give a little bit of both things. You know? uh, I also want to learn how to use more, more pieces. It's always been scary to me and challenging because I see kids like yours. I don't even know how to play all that stuff. You know? <laughs> like, I want to know how to translate our music and use all that thing. I will have to start from scratch. Uh, so it's challenging, you know. It's not easy to 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 push such a big kit forward, you know, to make all that sound. Uh, but now the music. Sometimes in the studio we use 
a few rack toms and a few floor toms and for, you know, and if you listen to the music, I've learned how to replicate that live with the help of an engineer. But if I had that second floor tom, it would be better. Yeah. Like the rec like the record or better. So now we got into the point where maybe we can afford a bigger trailer so I can have that extra kick in there. And maybe maybe I will play better venues so I can fit my shit in there and because you know how that works. It's never you know for it. With the shit I have, it's always hard. I can't imagine with the stuff you have or other guys that I tour with, they're always stressed about where their shit is going. And I'm like, I'm stressed. You're stressed by four because you have <laughs> so much shit. You have four times the amount of shit that I have. You know, so uh, now if if the band if if, if the business keeps going well. Uh, Maybe I can have a little bit more space in the venue, you know, a little corner there so I can stack my fucking extra floor time and my extra kick. Uh, uh, or maybe a little bit more help from crew guys that work in those venues or whatever it is. But if I go back to the small bars, I'll keep it simple. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, you, I think that you've earned it. Uh, and that makes me so happy that you're getting to kick drums because <laughs> i love like keep the single rack tom that's cool a second floor tom would be sick just like sonically for like the mm -hmm. the heaviness getting yep. like uh having like a 16 and an 18 uh would be fucking dope um that's that's the plan yeah uh but just like the look of a kit with two kick drums it just ah uh, nothing beats it Nothing beats it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I go to a lot of shows and concerts, and I will say half of my favorite drummers have a small set, and the other half are rock star fucking looking guys, like fucking mm -hmm. 80s with a lot of toms and double kicks and the riser. And I, so I want a little bit of both. You know, I want that look. Yeah. I'm, I'm a punk rocker, but I love that bigger than life. Rockstar shit, also. So, yeah. <laughs> I want to have a little bit of both. You know? uh, when I see Lars from Metallica's kid, or that's to me, that's just a a, a weapon. That's a machine. You know, that's a statement. It's like he's his mm -hmm. weapon of choice. When I see Inferno's kid from Behemoth, oh, it looks like a, a he's going to war. You know, yeah. like it's a different. Oh, yeah. It's it's a different thing. It's a different game. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to see what can I do, you know. Uh, but something that I can play. I'm not gonna add stuff to just show show up. I want to, you know, add more stuff and look cool. But stuff that I need to play. Oh, absolutely. So I need to. I need to. Whenever I get the kit, because it might take forever. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Usually, I does. need to practice. I need to practice. A lot with it, man. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll say, dude, I'll say having two single kick drums, uh, the feel is to me so much better because you are actually feeling the kick on your foot immediately right there. Like, That's what I've heard. Yeah, I love it. Um, I have a very difficult time playing on double pedals just because I've played on single kicks for so long now. Um, so, like, 
anytime I'm filling in or anything like that, I'm like, I was actually, I just did a rehearsal uh, yesterday with a band and I just showed up to their space and used their kit and we found a second kick drum like hidden underneath a bench somewhere. I'm like, bust it out. All right. I I want two kicks. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just didn't want to put my double pedal together because I, I hate it so much. Uh, I trigger it anyways, right? So it doesn't matter what the second kick sounds yeah, like. Yeah, you just need a surface to play. That's it. Yeah, I'll use a pad. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> uh, I want to, I need to, one thing I need to keep on top of is we do with, you know, with Fit, we do a lot of flying shows. A lot of that shit where you use, they will provide backline and, and I need to, keep my if I do the transition for the double kicks I need to keep my double pedal shops to date because there will be a lot of those cases where I just need to catch a plane with my double pedal and I'm going to use the whatever kick they have there because they don't have all the extra shit I need or whatever it is so I want to be able to adapt to those scenarios too mm-hmm. if I have the luxury to ask and you know specifically ask for what I need and they will provide it beautiful but a lot of times that's not real, at least not in my level yet. Yeah. Uh, so I need to have both formulas today. You know, like I need to have plan A, plan B, plan C always you know, to make it fucking happen. Yeah. I always have my, uh, my my bar attachment i use trick pedals so they it's so simple and easy to make it a single or a double so i always have yeah. it with me but i will do anything to use yeah. <laughs> two single kicks rather than a double but and i've been like pretty fortunate that uh I, you know up until this point there's only been a couple shows that i've really had to use uh, a single kick drum on mm. so yeah it's been mm. nice so you get you guys got some uh sick ass tours coming up yeah yeah man like yeah so my year looks scary from here like all the amount of time that i'm not gonna be home it's scary but it's also it looks like it will be some of the sickest shows i've ever played uh, or at least the experience will be something new or different because we we got an inflamed store coming up, mm-hmm. and then we landed a Lamb of God Kill Switch Engage tour. And when I looked up the the places we're gonna play, are <laughs> insane. <laughs> you know, like, man. Yeah. Uh, also, being with those bands, bro. Like I've been listening to all those bands my whole life. I am aware yeah. of them. When they came out, all their records. Uh, being a metal nerd my whole life, so uh, I'm well aware of the level that those bands are and what they mean. And I'm like, oh fuck, man! Like we're gonna open for Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. I wish I was 15 again, <laughs> but I, as soon as I saw my name on that flyer, I was like, oh fuck, man! Like. It reminded me when I was in high school, and I'm 37 now. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's what music does. You know, it's like, oh shit, I'm gonna play with those guys and watch them work every day and learn from pros. And you know, because if you know me, you know that that's all I'm out. 
I just like to watch the pros smash. I go behind the stage and watch everyone play and how their crew works and how their drummer is and why does it hit the way he's hitting things. And then I go to the front and see how that sounds. And then I come to the back and I'm like, hmm. I'm always learning about the, the, the technical aspect of it. Uh, so to me, it's just mind-blowing to go on tour with bands like the, of, of that caliber and learn from them and watch them work and watch how shit gets done. That's a great uh, mindset to have too, going into something like this. And like you guys have done a number of tours, uh, even with Trivium as well, who Mm -hmm. are like amazing. And like Alex Bent, uh, who is a, we're talking drums alumni, good friend of mine too. Also another, uh, he also played for Battlecross as well. So I'm going through all the Battlecross drummers. I'm going to get everyone. I still, I'm waiting uh, for uh, Shannon to give me a call to come on. But, you know, one day, one day. Um, But yeah, like I, I, so you getting like kind of the behind the scenes of that, you you guys have played with some, some big acts and then you must look at, like, I'm sure, uh, when you guys are doing the headliners, uh, you you got to be able to flip the perspective and be like, all right, now there's guys who look up to me, you know, like it's a, now and you're it's that a guy. Crazy, and it's a crazy fucking thing for someone like me to digest. Yeah, because mainly because I'm getting older. As you know, every day that we go on tour, every tour we get older, and time goes by. Now, for me, an opening guys. The drummers are opening for my shows now are 10 years younger than me. And when I did my first album with Fit, those kids bought it when they were in high school. But I don't think about that shit because I've been doing this thing my whole life. Now that I'm on tour with them, they tell me. They tell me the whole story. And I'm like, holy shit, how old are you? 24. So when I joined the band, you were 14. Holy shit. That's and they are playing incredible shit. A lot of them are way better than me, technically speaking, and they have chops for days and they went to great schools. And it's incredible to watch them. And you know, because I know for a fact that 10 years ago I wasn't able to do that, I'm still not able, but (laughs) even then I wasn't. Uh, and that's mind blowing, bro. So I have to constantly do the switch. But not in a in a bad way. I'm just humbled that there were kids, or or, or not kids because they're grown men now. Someone listening to the thing I was doing without knowing what I was doing, but they were listening. Mm-hmm. And if if someone somewhere heard what I had to do, what I did, or whatever, and they felt like they needed to play drums because it was so cool. That's it. That's all I aspire uh, aspire to be because that's what music has done for me and that's why I play in a band. It's because I heard Metallica and I heard Slayer and Kiss and all those bands and I was like, that's it. That's the the sickest shit ever. I want to do that. And I know for a fact that a lot of those drummers are not the best drummers ever, but they are my favorite drummers and to me they're the best ever because they 
make me when I go into a room and figure it out and fall in love with the instrument and, and with the lifestyle and with the image. And, you know, I always mention Lars. It's an easy target because he's in the biggest band in the world. Mm-hmm. It's easy to make fun of him. I know why. I like the memes also. I like the jokes. <laughs> They're incredible. But he's my hero also. Yeah. I don't give a fuck if he can play all the notes right or he cares or not care. He's a drummer for Metallica. And to me, that's enough. Uh, but it's simple enough for me. I don't care about how he plays them. Those records are magic for me. And every time I want to play or write something big, a big part, I go to, back to those records. You know, there's cert- I have an encyclopedia of records where if I need to write something techie, I go to those. If I need to write a big-ass drum beat, I go to a few other ones that I have. And Lars, to me, is a great example, man. Like, that guy made me walk, go into a room and try to figure out all those songs. And, and that was my school, trying to learn all those records. Uh, I never got a teacher or anything. So uh, listening to, to, to Lombardo and to Lars and to Nico McBrain from Maiden and, mm-hmm. and those guys, that's it. Those are my teachers. I never met those. I've never met them, but they were teaching me drums in my room. Yeah. When I was a kid, because I've been listening to them my whole life. Um, to me, they are the best drummers ever. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, um, I know YouTube was kind of a thing when I first was learning drums, but I didn't have, I didn't have like great internet or anything like that. So I, I never, and YouTube wasn't the same as it is now for learning stuff. Uh, so mm-hmm. literally, like, just listen to, the the albums and try to pick up whatever you can from it right so definitely like iron maiden was one of those first bands even that i when i realized like i was gonna be a metal fan and i was going to play metal for the rest of my life was listening to iron maiden uh in like grade nine uh when i heard the fear of the dark live at donnington uh, I was like, this is it. This is for me. This yeah, is 100%. This is what I love. And this is what I want to dedicate my life, life towards. Is Maiden. Yeah. Maiden to me had all the elements to make me a fan when I was a kid. Because mm-hmm. before I discovered heavy metal, I was, I've been into horror movies my whole life. And I was an horror movie kid, a nerd kid. I was into video games and horror movies. When I saw Maiden's imagery, their artwork. I was like, I like it before listening to it. I just like the fucking monster in the cover. Mm -hmm. And then I discover a bunch of death metal bands and I discover how Kiss looked in the show. And I was like, of course I like this. I like wrestling and I like movies and exaggerated stuff. So I was like, of course I like fireworks and guys in costumes and that whole thing. I also like the underground fucking heavy, dark, pure stuff. But I like that artistic thing behind it, the imagery that Maiden had and the uh, bands like... When I discovered what black metal was and I discovered bands like Demu because they were the most popular at the time, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's 
they look like Mortal Kombat characters. That's incredible, you know. Like, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know what it was, yeah. uh, but to me, visually, it looked like an horror movie, and I like horror movies. And yeah. Maiden had that that uh, magic with me because all the covers, and I would look at them as a kid, like be like, hmm. And I did have internet, but it came a little later, man. That in Puerto Rico, everything gets here a little later, you know. And I never had the sickest computer, the sickest technology at all. So to me, I was really exposed to a lot of it once I moved to the U.S. I had YouTube here, but the signal was shot. Yeah. And it wasn't as popular yet. It was starting to, you know, you had guys like Derek Rohde was on YouTube already. And George Colias was getting big on YouTube. Yeah. And John Longstreth. Those, to me, in that world of heavy stuff, those were the guys that opened up all that scene, you know, like to, I think someone like that roadie might be one of the responsible ones for the drum community respecting extreme drumming for the first time. Uh, talking about the modern drummers and all that shit. Mm. To me, for many years, the death metal was looked as a joke, you know, when it comes to all the drum community. And, and then I saw Daryl Roddy doing a modern drummer festival. I was like, whoa, like, is that allowed? That's awesome because <laughs> I'm sure all those jazz guys hate that shit. Oh, yeah. And it's incredible that he's playing that. But that's the point. I like all of it. Why is that not allowed? And I think those guys were the first ones that I became aware that were doing that YouTube thing and the, going into the drum clinics and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did see all that and I learned from it. But it was after I had spent years and years playing Mortal Kombat and just listening to Iron Maiden and Kiss and Metallica and Slayer with my headphones and just trying to fucking get the parts and starting over and over and over and over and listening to the same records a hundred times because that's all I had and then you know every part and then hopefully next month I'll go and buy another record to see to, to, to listen to now you have infinite uh, options yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can have whatever song anytime you want I can't imagine what it's like growing up right now and like learning instruments must be you have so many options and you, you have Different, all the yeah. Yeah, all the knowledge everywhere. Like for me, a, a large portion of learning was getting together with my friends and just jamming and seeing yeah, like, yeah, hey, who who's good at what here? You know, <laughs> like, hey, this guy, too, this too. guy can actually keep a beat. All right, you're you're gonna play drums for today. Uh, now that know? yeah, <laughs> now that you say that, I have another band here in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. It's a band that has been established for a few years. But I'm new. I joined when I moved here after the uh, when the pandemic started, maybe two years ago. I joined, uh, and they are some of my favorite players from the island, and some of my some of the coolest people I've met through the years in the scene here through other bands. I've jammed with them a few times before in different bands. Uh, so I was like, "Fuck! I just wanna." join a band or try to make a band where I can go into a room and jam 
and see what we can do, what we come up with. Yeah. Like, like when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, that was the most exciting thing. I didn't know what I could do, but he's got a guitar and he's got a bass. What can you do? What can you do? Okay, I can do this. Is that the riff you have? Okay. Okay, let me see what I can do with it. I'm not expecting the sickest players. I'm not jamming with Steve Vai or Ingrid Malsi or any of that. I just want to create music with people I like. In a room, like when I was a kid, when I fell in love with it, because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I lost a little bit of my north with the drums. I, get, I got injured and I got very angry yeah. about drums and music and double bass and ah, I hate everything. Yeah, blah. And part of the healing process was like. Playing drums is the sickest thing ever. And playing heavy music is the coolest thing I've ever done. I just miss being in a room and jamming that environment. Mm-hmm. So I got into a band with some friends that helped me go through that whole process because I had to get surgery for my both of my knees. And uh, they waited for me. And they I used them as therapy, if that makes any sense. I will go to actual physical therapy in the mornings and at night we will jam and they will just patiently work with me and see what slowly I can I could come up with because my legs were not working properly but I wanted to start giving them the motions and mm-hmm. start training to see what I could do where I was at you know and not lose too much because I was trying to get to 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 all the tours that Fit was announcing already. I was like, "Fuck! I want to yeah. try to do those." You know? uh, and, and something that helped me to get in shape quicker was jamming with my friends because I had there was no pressure about the type of music that they expected from the type of drumming they expected from me or the music we were going to write. Yeah, we knew it was going to be heavy, maybe death metal, maybe black metal. I don't. We 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 weren't sure. We just wanted to jam some heavy shit. And I started slow, you know, with single kicks and a double kick here and there. And then the next two jam sessions, I would add a little bit more and do it more. And I tracked an EP that should come out sometime this year uh, from those sessions, you know. And it's very primitive, very, very, very loose in the yeah. drum department, but very heavy, very straightforward. But it's what I used as as an exercise, as a therapy to get ready for the scary shit that I had after. Uh, so I, that shit should uh, be out very soon. The band's called Omnifarium. It's from here. Good death metal band. And it's full of people that I absolutely love. Uh, but the aspect of jamming in a room with people and... It, Make me fall in love with the instrument and with the music and with whatever, everything I'm doing. And it mm-hmm. definitely got me out of that dark place where I was in my room, not being able to walk or move or, you know, doubting if I was going to be able to play drums at that level yeah. still. I was like, I know I can play a lot of other styles. Most most styles of music don't require double bass. Right. There's a whole universe that don't need that shit. 
but I want to do this for as long as I can. Mm-hmm. So how far can I take it? Uh, going through that helped me a little bit. And now I'm learning, you know, I'm still, my legs are fucking awful and they hurt all the time. So I've been relearning how to, learning how to get better, learning, learning how to manage it, learning how to play without hurting myself and not applying as much force, maybe using more triggers, better pedals, better mics, mm-hmm. trying to see how to use the, the technology to, to make my life easier, you know, because I was always super proud of hitting very hard and playing all the notes in my kicks as hard as you, you could. And yeah. My, tr- my trigger was just there to, for no reason, because the sensitivity was, you know, I had to really hit it. Uh, now I've been learning how to, well, maybe in this part I can have the sensitivity a little higher. It makes the doubles come out very better without me applying so much force and yeah. saving energy for, you know, so that's a learning, a new, a new learning thing. Uh, but, but that's the It'll thing. Come. That's the thing too. Like, I know everybody says like, uh, "Oh, triggers are cheating," blah blah blah. But it's like playing metal drumming the way and like how fast we do and everything like that is so hard on your body. It's um, brutal, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in even you just saying like then like your knee surgery and everything like that and everything you've gone through is simply like because of how hard you played for the last like two decades right yeah, pretty much right. 20, 20 years yeah. yeah and it's it's because i i always use a microphone never really use the triggers how i'm using them now mm-hmm. and you know i i could for years i was able to so i was like yeah i'll just play hard this is how i like the sound this is what i like to to present to people. This is the aggression I like to hear. Yeah. Uh, and I still play very aggressive and I will do it until I cannot move. But I've been learning how much real effort do I need to put in. You know? I also, I've been used to be an opener for many years and the sets are half hour. So that's five, six songs. Easy. But now we're playing headlining sex sets. 12 songs, 13, 14 songs. Holy fuck. I need to last everything, you know, because mm-hmm. the guys are very good at choosing very drum-driven songs and they like it at the end of the set because they're heavy, badass songs. And I'm like, dude, I need to play that in an hour from now. Yeah. <laughs> of playing all these other crazy shit. And if you listen to Fit, I don't think it's the most intricate technical drumming. It's very raw and very primitive. But I think the trick, the tricky part and the challenge for me is the delivery, how I like to play that shit, how I try to present it to people with the groove I like and with the intensity I like and with the the power I like. That's the hard thing. The notes are the notes. They're all in there. And while recording... You can take a million breaks and do the part and do the part and do the part until it's perfect. Mm-hmm. That's how I do it. Because I'm not good enough to do everything one take. No way. <laughs> also for qual- sound quality, if I need to give you this, 
the, the same field 10 times for the engineer to have options, I'll try to do that, you know. And uh, I obviously have a great producer on our side, Will Putney. So I just follow his lead. And if he asks for 10 takes, I'll give him 11 if I can, maybe with a different field to see if that works out. Uh, so in the studio, it's hard because you have to do it all over and over and over and over and over. But then you, you can try and try and try with no consequences. Life, you have to play the shit correctly, one take, or good enough for the show to happen. Mm-hmm. And you need help from the gear. I'm not a machine, you know, I'm a guy. So if, if 50, in a 12-song in a, in a set, song number 10 requires incredibly technical fast double bass, I might put the sensitivity up in that trigger for that song and the threshold work with it and see how I can make that song easier for me. Because that song has more double kicks than the one before or the one after or... So I've been learning how to, hmm, this song requires more kicks. How can I use the gear better so I can perform better instead of struggling through the whole fucking thing? Yeah. And and triggers are not shitty. It, it, triggers don't lie. And if you play like shit, everyone can hear it. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the technical stuff and the, the fast stuff, everyone can hear it. I made fun of triggers for many years until I had to play fast stuff and technical stuff and then I got it. I was like, oh, this is why. You know, I get it now. It's consistent. Everyone hears it on stage. It's better for for engineers to make it quick. Uh, I am a fan of the microphone though. I will fucking... I still tell my engineers just more mic use as little trigger as you can. You know? yeah. if, there's nights, if there's nights where you hear me being weaker do your thing. But I want to hear microphones and, you know, it just sounds meaner. And also we have different parts. You know, if I'm playing smashing groovy breakdowns, single kick shot, we don't need a trigger maybe. But the, the double fast, the double bass stuff that goes after, I might need a little push there, you know, for so people can hear it. Yeah. And with a microphone, you can easier, easily hide yourself in the blend and blend yourself in the mix. So we're, when people say that triggering is shitting, none of them is shitting. You can hide your playing with a microphone, though, and you cannot hide it with a trigger. Yeah, It, it, just, it, it just takes less force for the trigger to, to, to function. You know? with, with less power, you can send a signal. That's all it is. Uh, for when I don't have my legs on point, that sounds terrible. It sounds awful. You know? Yeah, it's the worst it thing sound, ever. Yeah, it sounds like you don't know what to what you're doing, and you're a rookie, and you don't know how to play, and you need to practice. And I practice every fucking day. I don't know how to practice more. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's no cheating. You know, it's just there's. It's like saying that the doubles these days are doing doubles on your feet. Cheating. It's not cheating. You have to play it. Uh, it's not easy, man. I've been learning it for I, the last like two years. And finally, now I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, 
I I I'm I'm getting more confident with it. I'm like, okay, maybe I could start sprinkling it in live to certain songs cuz like some of the stuff that I play, I'm doing 16ths for like a minute straight. And it's just mm-hmm. so exhausting. It's like why am I wasting so much energy, you know? Like getting back to how we're just old men now is like you know, we got to conserve our energy at some point, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm not fucking 25 years old anymore. And just like uh, hopped up on Red Bull, you know, and like, you and, and, and you you probably proved to yourself already that you were able to. Or you yeah, can. I'm good. I don't I don't need to prove anything to myself. All I need is for it to sound sick for the audience. That's it. Yeah. I'm good. So that, that that's where I am. Like, I was very proud of playing it. Mm-hmm. single kicks and all that shit. And I still are. But now I'm more open to the idea of learning more tricks. So if I start getting tired, maybe knowing a little different technique might help me. You know, maybe help me get to that part a little easier on a bad night or stuff like that. You know, you know how, at least with my hands, I can practice perfect technique in the studio and while I'm practicing. But then when I go on stage and I start getting tired, that technique doesn't even function. Yeah, It doesn't even work. The hand mm-hmm. behaves different. So you develop other th- things on the road. When you get tired, you have a different trick and this and that. I've been trying to sit with drummers that are very good at doubles. Almost all the guys that have been opening for me in the last few tours are incredible at double in their feet. So I just watch them. I don't comprehend that my body doesn't move like that. <laughs> But I'm like, fuck, they can't play all the shit that I've been struggling for for 20 years. And they just do it quicker, faster, and cleaner. That's it. And I'm like, fuck, man. Like, mm-hmm. uh, maybe sonically, A lot of times, sonically, is not what I like, though. And that's a different thing. It's just my taste. Because it does sound different a lot of times through the PAs. But it's very impressive, man. Like that, oh, yeah. You know, the, See, I could never wrap my head around it uh, before. Like, I just I couldn't comprehend how they were doing it. Uh, and, like, I, I did a small run with... Um, Eric Marotti, who's now the drummer of Suffocation, and he mm-hmm. he's double strokes all day long, like 300 plus BPM, like he rips it, and I'm like, I I don't understand how you're doing this. So during the pandemic, I was like, I'm gonna make it like a goal to learn how to do double strokes. Like, I can do this. I have time. I don't have shows I need to practice for, right, or anything. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to learn how to how to fucking do this. And finally, now I'm like, okay. Like, at a certain point, you start to feel it. You start to feel the second hit, the rebound and everything. And then that is when stuff started to click for me. Because before, I'm like, I'm doing the motion, but not, it's not fucking working. Uh, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, one day when I sat down, I was like, Oh shit. Okay. This this is actually like working now. So it took my brain like a solid couple months to like get my head around how how it actually works cuz I was yeah. I I do the swivel 
like was the first time that I found a technique and a legit technique. Cause before it was just move my legs and feet as fast as possible. And, yeah. Same with me. <laughs> yeah. But then like when I found swivel, I was like, okay, I can actually keep time with this technique. Uh, and I found my kicks getting just like so much tighter, uh, from, mm-hmm. from do like actually having a technique to what I was doing. Uh, so yeah, always learning more. Did you, so with going through surgery and, you know, I can only imagine like sitting there and like barely being able to walk or anything like that. Like a lot's going through your head as far as your career and everything that you've built up over this time. Uh, you know, and you know, obviously you're a metal drummer and that's what you want to do. Um, so were you thinking of like, all right, how can I adjust my techniques so that when you get back on the kit, um, you can allow yourself to, to do this for longer so that this, these kinds of pains and you don't have to constantly be having these surgeries or anything like that. Did you learn anything, uh, new in, in that way? Or is it just like, okay, I'm just not going to put as much force into it. Um, in that road right now. Um, yeah. The, the last few tours have been a test to see where I, where I am. The mm-hmm. first headliner I did uh, are after the pandemic and after the, the surgeries was in the U.S. And it was tough for me. Uh, the shows happened and people were stoked and the guys were stoked. But for me, it was all through. Uh, the pain and uh, the lim- Feeling a limitation and uh, not having the power and being scared because being scared, it's probably the worst thing because how the fuck are you going to play the music that we play? Scared to hurt yourself. Right. You have to go for it. That's yeah. part of what we do. You just go. So not being scared, it's been one thing I've been working on. And then... Every day I might change settings. Every few days. I, I've been working with a lot of my pedal settings and trigger settings. And I started with the footboard. You know, a little flat, a little higher, a little... The, the beater closer, the beater a little further away. The little, everything. And I'm... It, it, in the last tour in Europe, I had better shows. Once in a while, I'll be like, I was with my boy Davier that was helping me with the drums and I would look at him. I was like, I don't know, man, that felt good to be fucking 37 and had two double, you know, two knee surgeries. That all the notes are, all the notes were there. I had the power. I felt great. Uh, but I am learning. I'm trying to learn. I want to be able to just be more precise. Now I'm focusing more on playing good instead of all I wanted to do before it was just, I want to go hard. I want to go hard. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That looks cool. And it sounds cool sometimes. It doesn't mean I was playing good. It might be sloppy, you know, and, and you know, just wasting energy for no reason. Yeah. Maybe no reason for me, but for the show, well, people get a fucking sick show because you see guys going crazy. Uh, but now I'm more focused on be more precise and and less effort to make it happen. You know? I'm going to play hard no matter what. Even if I turn down a few notches, I'm going to always be aggressive. 
and I'm learning. I got better pedals and I'm paying attention to the younger guys because they have all that shit figured out, all that stuff. I was against it for very long and now I've been, I've had to accept defeat and be like, yeah, they have it down, man. Like I just go watch them and listen to them. And a lot of times it's not what I like to hear. Like I said, it doesn't mean that I have to like every band that I tour with or, or that opens or I open for. Maybe not the whole band. Maybe the music doesn't offer anything for me. But the guy's fucking good, man. Look at him, how he plays all that shit. That's enough for me to fucking be stoked. Yeah, I just like to watch good musicians. I don't care if I like what they're doing or not. If the guy can play, the guy can play. Yeah, And I, I know what I like and, and what I like to watch and what I like to hear. And Like, for example, in the... Uh, We took out Signs of the Swarm, their drummer Bobby. I wasn't aware of them. I don't, I didn't know about the sound of the band or anything because I don't pay that much attention. I'm always in my own world. But then I watch him play the drums. He makes it look easy with all incredible technique and he's just comfortable or at least he makes it look comfortable and I'm like, fuck, man, I need to go warm up, you know? Um, yeah. Well, it pushes then, you to, to like, get better at your instrument, and then, like, he's like, yeah, like, go warm up. It's like, shit, I, I have to play good tonight. You know, when yeah. you're touring with bands, with drummers of that caliber, man, it makes you step your game up. And the guy is younger than me, way younger. We talked about it. He yeah. just had a good, good education because maybe... The way they learned, they had more information than me and they ate it all and they practiced their shit and they have it all. Like I will watch them and I'm like, dude, and they're 10 years younger than me and they have all this incredible information. And Uh, I have some other information that might be outdated, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) fuck, man. Like, uh, so I've been learning from a lot of those guys in the last... That tour in US and the, the one that we did now in Europe, it was a similar package. Maybe one band was different. All the drummers before me were incredible. All of them had the energy and no one was hurting like I was hurting. And they were fresh. And I would yeah. be like, fuck, man. Like, it made you really feel like an old man, eh? It's like, oh, I need my cane. Get up on the riser. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's, Someone like me, I'm a fan of heavy drums and heavy music. It's incredible to watch younger kids do that shit. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I don't have to like their band or their music. It's just, wow. Like, it's... Yeah. <sighs> well, you guys had uh, Sentinels out with you uh, in He's Europe. a good example. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dave Ruggie. Dave. God damn, that guy is incredible. I wasn't aware of how they sound or him or anything. I met him a few times at shows. He even showed me pictures with me. And I didn't remember. So I, <laughs> that's how much attention I pay. But then the first few days in Europe, I will, from the backstage, hear him and be like, that kid can play, man. Like, he's got chops yeah. and it's heavy and it's, it's aggressive. 
but he makes it look easy. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you learn? Where do you grow up? Like, where, who teach you? Like, what were you listening to? Like, how many hours you invested in that room by yourself trying to? Because if I've invested what I've invested, how many did you invest? Because that's right. you can't fake that. You, no. You're either good or you're not, and. Fuck, like at a certain point, just, dude. It it at, for some people, it's just raw talent. Uh, yeah. you know, because like I know the amount of hours I've put in, <laughs> and if if there's other guys putting in more hours, it's like, holy shit. Another, another thing is that I've learned, I guess, or I've been thinking is maybe I put in the hours, but they were practicing something else. Obviously, because yeah, look at that. You know, Clearly, right? I, I maybe I was just more focused on the double kicks I'm doing and on the singles I'm doing or whatever. Yeah. While they were doing a lot of other stuff, maybe they had a better, more clear information. Maybe they had a more drive than me. It could be as simple as that. Maybe if I practice for an hour, they did five hours. Maybe. Maybe they didn't do five hours, but in those two hours they did, they knew exactly how to practice. And I maybe was just working on the songs. Yeah. Not practicing new skills or anything. And like, who knows? It's just impressive to see them and be like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. And well, he, Dave, Dave is a good example of a, someone younger that told me that when when I joined Fit, he was still kind of like, yeah. and he was listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like that's the thing is there's so, so many resources now on teaching kids how to practice. Cause like back in the day, we didn't talk about that. We just, you know, all I heard was like, oh, you have to practice. You have to get your 10,000 hours. You gotta, you know, you gotta play. You gotta play. You gotta play. So I did. I went and I played. I did it. And then they're like, oh, but you were supposed to be practicing all your rudiments and you're supposed mm-hmm. to be practicing this and that. And then like doing all this stuff. I was like, well, you didn't, you didn't tell me that. I didn't take lessons, you know, no, man. <laughs> like I just, I got in the jam room and I, I had fun on yeah. my drums, man. And I'm still, yeah, I've I'm done. still doing that. <laughs> so back in, I played with a lot of different bands, bands that matter, bands that didn't matter, bands mm-hmm. that jam once or twice. I did like at least 10 years of that before I even joined FIT. That was my school. Just jamming in a room with everyone playing every gig possible, anywhere, any shithole. That has been my school. So while they were practicing rudiments, I was just trying to learn how to make songs with my friends. So maybe we were practicing different things. That's all. Uh, maybe. Who knows? Because uh, my favorite thing is to play good songs. It's not to play the rudiments or incredible drum parts. It's just to... I, I, I like guitar riffs more than drum parts, if that makes any sense. Yeah. For me, I cannot play guitar by shadow. I don't know anything about guitars. But if I hear a sick riff, I want to play drums for it to see what I can do to make it better or or if it's better or heavier or whatever. So I am used to some someone writing a part, a riff or a keyboard part or something. 
and me trying to come up with something to accent that or enhance it. And uh, that's that's my favorite thing. More than shredding, more than... I, I, I'm totally cool now with just keeping it simple and just laying the groove back there and everyone else can do their fucking thing. Uh, well, that's the thing. Me, Man, I will say that uh, in the song Warfare... When you just lay into that closed hi-hat, it's the simplest beat ever. Just like closed hi-hat, like that's it. And it is so fucking heavy. It's It's, efficient, yeah. It's the heaviest fucking beat I have ever heard, and it's just so simple. And if you, like, were new all, like practice your rudiments for a million years and were so technical you maybe you would have written something vastly different than that and that part would change immensely so you know there's a lot there's a lot of things that i play that maybe in theory are wrong in paper that's wrong but because i don't think about that that's why it feels different and i've had that conversation with a lot of guys that have you know, Berkeley guys or guys that have been in great, great schools, they're like, it just doesn't make sense. I'm like, of course, it shouldn't. Because it's probably wrong. It's not lined up correctly or whatever, but that's what I felt. And in that case, for example, of that song Warfare, I didn't come up with it because I don't write the music. It was programmed, Will programmed the idea. And he told me, in this part, I want to beat like this. I was like, oh, awesome. I just got to practice it and, and record something that feels good, you know, like let yeah. me make it good. Let me let me play the hi hats good with the good with a good groove and the, the backbeat where it goes and let me let me see how we how I make it sound real and not programmed and, and what groove do I give to it. And those are the things that I like more and that I feel that I'm better at than all the all their shreddy stuff. Because through the years, I've focused more on that. Than, and I've stopped worrying about BPMs or how many notes I can f- fit in this fill or whatever. Or uh, That's cool. I'll, I'll get to that if I get to it. But what are the beats? What are the grooves? How does the song start? How does it feel? Mm-hmm. Where, where the solo is... I don't want to be stepping on top of them. I want people to hear the incredible solo because I like solos. So yeah. what can I play to keep it rolling? But I don't want to be in the way. I want to be in the back. So people focus on the solo. I want sing-alongs. I want Joe to sing his parts and not interrupt his his vocals with stupid drum fills or whatever. So, okay. How do we... How do I play drums having that in consideration? You know? uh, that's where I am right now. And with, with Will writing parts like that, it only helps me and teaches me because, you know, he presents me with a whole song and I'm like, oh, it's programmed. Those are some of the parts. I need to see how do I make this real and what can I bring to it? And yeah. if, if I have a different idea, it needs to be good enough. Uh and if I have accents or whatever, and sometimes I might do something and he'll be like, nah, there's going to be vocals on top of that. I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't know that. So that forces me to think different. And 
that's the part that I'm obsessed with. It's like, how can I be part of good songs? Yeah. Which is, and the, the answer can be infinite. Uh, but that's, because I go to play songs for people. It's not a drum solo. It doesn't say, Oceanora drum solo tonight at 8 p.m. outside. It says fit for an autopsy. And I'm the drummer of the band. And when you listen to the band, you are aware that it's drum heavy, but it's not only drums. There's a lot of other things that are important for the whole band. So it's not about me. It's about everyone. So my job is to keep it together and keep it moving and and, and learning how to do that because I want Joe to sound incredible and I want Pat and Tim and Blue to sound incredible. And I want them to have a great show and move around and go crazy. But I need to give them the, the I don't know, the, the backbone for yeah. that to happen. The foundation. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a, and, and when you're in the studio and, and, and working with Will on, on the drums and everything for records and stuff like that, you're kind of, more thinking of how this will make the song the best it can and how yes. and how your beats can benefit the the person who wrote the the music you of know course, yeah. right as a whole rather than a, uh how many how fast can i uh can i do this blast beat and, you know i don't that's not this project you know not like if i want it yeah. If I wanted to just do a fucking ignorant blast beat thing, I will just find a f- group of guys and we work on that, you know. Uh, but since I joined Fit, the thing that I understood very quickly and we all agree with, and with having someone like Will in our team, is like he likes to write songs, mm-hmm. and he likes to. We all like to try to write the best thing possible not knowing what's good or not. It's just trying things. And and I try to play the things I like to hear. And I'm not always correct, or I'm not always uh, capable of, but I try very hard. And then I respect what Will does, because he's a writer. He writes everything. So he's got a vision that I don't have. I just try to bring a little bit of drums and try to help them out. You know, uh, he has a brain for all that. So I respect all that. He, a lot of the shit that I play is just ideas that he brought to me that I didn't think were possible. And then I had to come up with something. Yeah. And still a lot of those parts to this day might be difficult every night. One night I will nail it. Next night, not so good. Uh, but that opened my brain up because we are writing in a computer and there's no limitations there, right? Like right. the computer will like just take anything. It's scary. And then I, <laughs> it's uh-huh, scary yeah. when you let people do that and you have to learn it. It's like, ee, all right, I got my work cut out for me now. <laughs> yeah. Obviously with the years, he's known, he knows what I'm able to do and my fortis and not my uh, fortis and... Uh, but in the beginning, I just had to fucking figure it out. Yeah. Uh, just now, by listening to the files that he will send me, I know exactly which parts are mine and which parts are... I just need to play what he says. Because by listening to the structure or if it's a super specific pattern or whatever, 
that's what that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I will hear a more open part, and I'm like, I'll do a fill here. That fill is for me. That fill is for me. Like little things. Uh, so my job is to, you know, I, I I get asked all the time by by people at shows because we talk about it every time we can online about like how he writes, but he doesn't tour. And everyone thinks that's weird. And uh, in the beginning, I even thought that was weird. But then I was like, no, maybe that he doesn't tour might be weird for some people. When But there's always a guy that writes music for the whole band. Like when Frank Zappa was in, in the top of the world, he was writing everything and he was handling a fucking sheet of paper to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And they had to figure it out. Yeah. And many of my favorite musicians like... Miles Davis and Chick Corea and all those incredible fucking Jedi masters. They were telling everyone, like, I wrote this song, perform it. Bring your own stuff to it, do you think? Yeah. But those are the notes, you know? So the only difference might be that now we have computers and it's not written in a paper, but it's written in a computer. And possibilities are infinite because now we can hear it and drums sound better than ever programmed now these days it has never sounded this great mm-hmm. you can program a whole album and put it out there and it sounds incredible and no one will know if it's programmed or not I don't like it <laughs> but it's true yeah. I don't agree with it uh, most of the fucking top hits in the world are programmed drums and no one cares about yeah uh, and they're selling records you know so it doesn't matter to the masses uh, to me, it does. I think it sounds different, but it's easy to fake it these days because the technology is just so great. Uh, and I hated it for a while, man. Like, I hated the program drums and all that shit. Yeah. Me too. But it has made me better to try to keep up to that because obviously we have all limitations as people. You know, I have minds uh, when it comes to creativity and and. and and chops and ability. Uh, so by listening to something like that, I'm like, oh, wow, I will never think about that shit. Never, ever. Yeah. I hate it. It doesn't make sense. It's going to be hard forever. You're writing it because you don't have to play it. But that's fucking <laughs> sick. You know, <laughs> right? it is good. It is. Fucking, yeah. Sometimes you can't uh, deny it. You're like, fuck, I, I hate that this is so good because now I have to learn it. And it will be hard every night. Yeah, but if I play correct, it will be fucking awesome. Uh, that has happened to the years. Oh yeah. Uh, but I used to focus a lot on those hard parts and forget about the feel of the song and all that shit. So now I'm the older way around. Yeah, I want the whole set to feel. I want everyone to fucking do this. Thing. That's it. The whole fucking time. Yeah, man. The, the <laughs> last guy in the room with a beer in the back of the room that doesn't give a fuck about your band. I want him to, with his beer, to be doing this thing. Yeah, just be able to groove out. Yeah, that's, that's it, it, man. Well, I'll say that um, with every album that you guys have put out, uh, I feel like it's just consistently gotten better. Um, Like... When uh, Sea of Tragic Beasts came out, that was on repeat for, fuck, uh, I don't even know how long. Uh, probably until the the latest record came out. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, man. And and your your beats um back there holding holding it down are is what keeps it all together for me, at least. So much respect, yeah, man. I just try to simplify all the crazy music that's going on, you know, like because uh, it can be a, a saturated band. So I try to see how I can simplify it a little bit and make it digestible for for people. You know, when we're playing live, I want even if they don't understand the beat completely, because it might be complex for some people, whatever. I want them to feel where the beat is, mm-hmm. where the one is, or where the certain things are. So I try to, to to simplify it and find the notes that I feel are the ones that really give you the power and the groove and the, the, the motion. Uh, obviously, it's an experiment. There's no real answer to that. People feel different things. Uh, but that's the thing I am more obsessed about in our band, you know, and in a world where I still, I don't like to use the word compete, but I see the music industry as a competition often because we're trying to survive and we need to compete with other businesses, bands, musicians. Uh, So I need to compete with a lot of guys that are playing faster shit, more technical stuff than me. And they're playing the same shows as me. And if I want to survive... I need to keep finding new tricks. And because I'm getting older, I cannot compete with the speed that these kids might have now. But maybe I can groove a little bit different because of the experience or whatever. You know, like that's where I am. I'm like, okay. You have to find your strengths and play to those and not try to compete with them on what they're best at. Right, could yeah. just like be the best that you can be, and I think that you yourself have of your own original style of playing and everything. And if you lay into that, uh, you know, if I, you know, I play, I play multiple shows with uh, Austin from Lorna Shore, for example. Yeah, and if I try to go and have a speed war with him, what do you think will happen to me? <laughs> I don't stand a chance because because he's got it down. That's that's his thing, you know. Yeah. He's fucking fast and precise. If I go and try to fucking compete with Bobby from Sign of the Swarm or or Lynn from Ingested that I just threw with or or Jesse from Die Art, if I try to compete when it comes to speed with those guys, they will destroy me, and they do every night. When it comes to the fast shit, I don't even look at them because I need to do something else because it's scary. I know they have it down, you know? Uh, so I, that has forced me to say, okay, okay, I need to play the shows and I don't want to suck. What do I bring? You know, and, and something that I felt more intrigued by and more worried, uh, curious and obsessed is the groove. The, the, I want a consistent fucking thing, you know? Uh, uh, and the power and, and the songs, the new songs allow me to do those things because the drums are a little bit more open, and mm-hmm. a little bit less shreddy parts. There's some parts, but they're selected 
selective specific parts. Everything else is like like that that newest newest single, uh, "Far from Heaven." Yeah, to play that groove live, it's a joy because you can play hard, you can groove. I'm not worried about speed or chops. I just can't worried about making it feel good. Yeah. It needs to feel good. It needs to feel heavy and bouncy and funky. Same thing with that warfare thing. That warfare beat, it could be like a hip-hop hip hop beat or a funk beat. That's how I see it in my head. I'm not thinking about a heavy metal beat. Yeah. It needs to be funky. It needs to be bouncy. It needs to be like, like I was in a hip-hop band. Like I'm playing in the roots. Like I'm not playing in fit. I'm playing fucking, I don't know. Some I'm playing in public enemy. That beat needs to be fucking hard. Yeah. Uh, so I listen to a lot of those players for shit like that. Yeah. It's funny where you end up drawing influence from, you know? It's not all from like, oh, like all the old school guys in metal and everything, but it's, you know, guys in the hip hop world and even pop guys and jazz and everything like that. Like, you know, it's, uh, that that's how you can kind of have your own original style when you kind of take influences from from all sorts of different genres and and players all those hip hop guys and funk guys they lay it down hard as fuck and they are all about the groove all yeah. they care about is just making people jump and making dance so when I need to write specific funky parts or breakdowns, for example, the, the, the breakdowns that we use that come a little bit from that hardcore school, I need to listen to funk. Because those guys, the way it needs to be played and delivered, it needs to be funky and bouncy. So I can listen to funk or I can listen to fucking Quest Love from The Roots that I love. And the way he plays stuff and the way he lays it down, man, that shit is heavy as shit. If you play the same stuff that he does with an open hi-hat, more rim shots, and a double bass, poof, incredibly heavy. It's just the way they lay it down is so crispy and so settled and so great that it just sounds incredible. you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all those... I don't know much about rap or hip hop, but like mainly all those old hip hop albums are classics. They all have great beats to practice too. You know, uh, when I I mentioned the uh, Public Enemy, the Biggie stuff, the Tupac stuff, the the N.W.A., the Cypress Hills, they all have great drum beats, even if they're programmed. Yeah, it's funky, so it's good stuff that repeats. It's a loop that doesn't change, it's good for practicing, you know, like to, and, and, and when you hear those hat, those hi-hat effects that they have, the, well, that's consistent because it's a fucking computer, but how do I make that? How can I play a real hi-hat with a real drumstick with a real hand and make it sound similar? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So those are cool things that I, even though I don't know much about that whole universe, at least I try to pay attention to to whatever I can find because those guys are great. And then, of course, I can get influenced by that and play it in a heavy metal context. 
with drums, to me, it's all the same. It's all the same. Yeah, that's it, man. Drums is like, it's fluid through all genres. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It's all the same. Yeah. Well, on that note, man, I think this is a good place to wrap up. Uh, don't want to take your entire evening. <laughs> all good. You know? Yeah, it's been great catching up and chatting, uh, talking drums. We'll have to do this again. And uh, you, I think you're going to be coming through Toronto on this next one of these upcoming tours. You're I off. Think the, I think the Inflames one might hit Toronto, right? Yeah, I hope so. You're off to Australia. Uh, yeah, in like, a few days. Yeah, yeah uh, next week. So yeah. uh, I'm, li- I'm leaving. I have a lot of flying to do because I'm, I'm in Puerto Rico. I need to go to Jersey to pick up my gear fly to LA to meet with the guys and then we fly to Australia and then so I have a few a few days of traveling ahead of me and carrying gear all across the fucking world and you know that whole fucking drummer <laughs> thing and uh, so yeah. I'm all, I I'm, I'm, I already started my practice routine a few weeks ago the gym they go to the studio to practice for an hour just to keep the conditioning you know um, yeah so when I show up for rehearsals, I'm not a complete mess. Yeah. That's what I'm going through right now, too, is I have 15 songs to learn. Uh, and I fly out to Edmonton on July 6th for rehearsals. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a stressful week, to say the least, uh, trying to learn a full headlining set. But, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, slowly but surely I'm going to get it down. Hopefully it goes yeah, well. Yeah. yeah, I use I use all those flies to fucking uh, listen to the music. You know, like mm-hmm. sometimes in those flights, I have a minimum of four hours, up to 10, 12 hours of flights. I can learn a few songs just by listening to them and be like, okay, that's that feel. Okay, when I sit on the drum set, I'll try that or this and that. Because yeah. uh, you- I have nothing else to do. Do you write stuff down as well? Do you find that that helps uh, learn stuff? Or are you all just by ear? I've been all by ear until now. Now I'm taking the habit of recording it if I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's just jamming in a room and it sounds like complete shit, just record it on my phone and just leave it there. Because uh, I forget stuff, obviously. You know, the older yeah. I am, the, the less I think about certain things. Years ago, all I could think of was drums. Everything. Now, I I tend to forget it often. I'm like, oh, that's what I was doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I've been trying to get into the discipline of something similar as taking notes. You know, Maybe if I don't write it down, I'll record a sound or a demo or a clip, a video, whatever it is, and then I go and listen to it. I'm like, hmm, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Now I understand it better. It will change, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's because I can hear it. Something similar as being able to see it. You see that shape for a long time, and then you understand it better. And you're like, oh, but that shape can go here and here and here and can go here. Yeah, it's like so that that same effect of writing it down. I get it from audio. And for example, the band I'm jamming with here in Puerto Rico, Omnifarium, we, we, every practice, 
if we we try to have a structure for a possible song every practice or every two practices, just at least a few riffs, even an intro or a breakdown, whatever we can work on, and we record it. But next practice, we record it. Right? Everything. And then sometimes we forget that we have it until we go through the list and we find stuff that we've been jamming that we all forgot because we got stuck with some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, to me, seems like taking notes. It's no different than going to my notebook and be like, oh, this idea. I forgot yeah. about it. Yeah. But, uh, oh, definitely. It's always good to record your jams. And I love that idea of like when you guys get together, you just jam, see what happens, record it. And it's kind of like just making demos, uh, how people just make demos on their computer and they have just like riffs for like, like just hard drives full of riffs and songs and stuff. Right. But you guys have like full, full jams and everything of it. And, and something that helps me with is my friend has a riff and I jam and I come up with a certain beat on that practice. And I thought it was awesome, but then I hear it for a whole week at home and I'm like, that beat sucks. I'm going to try this other one. Next week, I'm going to try this other one. And then I go on a mission. I go with a, I I show up with a, with something in mind that I need to work on. And then by listening to those demos, I can study myself a little bit better and be like, no, that doesn't work. No, that's not the right accent. That's not what the riff does. Uh, but when you're when I'm jamming, I don't hear those little things. This yeah. I'm, I'm jamming, I'm playing. But by because of the recording, it uh, I can try different things, and then I can record the same practice, the same song, three times, and I will use a different beat in sections or whatever. Just so when I come home, I can hear it all and be like. The second one is better than the other ones, or the third one. That's the beat for that part. It's just with no compromises, you know. But it helps because, and I forget them, so I need to record them too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. It's always good to even just so you can listen back and critique your own playing and be like, "Oh my god, it's so sloppy there. I got to work yeah. on, you know, this aspect and everything." It's always good to record yourself and i think like this day and age too where everybody like it's so affordable to have a little home setup or everybody has a cell phone they can record uh videos or even just audio on uh mm-hmm. just being able to record yourself practicing is, is huge just from a, a drummer standpoint uh but also yeah. from like a full band as well like i suggest every band to do it Something I tell the guys often when we record the practices is like, don't pay too much attention to me. If you hear something that you absolutely like, let me know because I would like to know. But I just throw a bunch of shit there and then pick. Like, I I will, let's say in a section, I will never repeat the drum, the, the, the kick pattern. I'll do it different here and here just so I have options and be like, that's the one I like. Yeah. And I always tell them, don't pay too much attention because it's it's all in there just for me to look for something. Like I always tell them in Spanish, I'm looking for the groove. So just don't, I'm just looking for those, I'm fishing the notes. I'm throwing a few notes against your riff 
to see which ones work and which ones don't work. Sometimes I'm very clear of the ones I want, but sometimes I'm just throwing shit in there. And then when I listen to it, I'm like, those are the ones. And then I start dissecting it and be like, yeah. this gets get rid of this. Because in fit, I do a similar thing. A little bit more controlled because we will, you know, we have a, a more concrete uh, goal. Mm-hmm. But, uh, a vision. He's got a vision for sure, yes. Yeah. Uh, but with my jam project, I, I just throw a bunch of shit in there and then we'll pick something like that's the one yeah yeah it always feels good when you when you're this when you listen to a riff or a jam or something like that and you're like ah something just it just doesn't feel right and then you find the beat then the groove that it, that they they're just like it's like a perfect marriage of riff and groove and you're like ah oh, that's good it's so fulfilling mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Man. All right. Well, again, on that note, then uh, yeah, yeah. let's. Uh, I can keep talking drums my whole life. You know? I know, and we can continue, but we'll we'll wrap this episode up. I want to thank you very much for joining me. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, man. This has been great, man. So until next time. Yeah, I hope to see you soon. You're very welcome to any of the gigs I do around you. So just hit me up, and we'll figure out how to get you. I will. We'll uh, we'll definitely be hanging out next time you're in Toronto, man. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Awesome.